0: beginning but uh are you are you are you okay to be to like start talking about like something that you're you're, you're building right now or maybe maybe you have like a, a user story or something else you'd like to lead with or do you have anything that
1: you're i mean i, I can there's there's a few things that we're building right now so are pretty exciting one is more tech some are more more products some are more businesses like right now we're actually closing a super big deal uh, did we start already or is it like still we, we, we did, and let's like, like, like just, like just keep, let's like just, let's like just keep, keep. <laughs> yeah. All right, sounds good. sounds good, sounds good. So uh, one of the things we're, we're closing right now is actually a huge deal with a talent agency. You know, like we, we have all those creators part of our network that run our games. And of course, for us, uh, a lot of the value of the company is being able to reach that audience through channels. Uh, and so that deal is super, super important for us because we have like about 1 million MAU right now. That deal is going to get us by March to about 10 million MAU and, wow. and everything is, wow. that's a huge increase and for us it's really the supply, those eyeballs, they're gold because once you have them part of your network, then you off, it's easy to just expose them to to branded games, get them to engage the ecosystem, get the coin, all those kind of things But all sorts it all starts by the fact that you need to find a way to like get those eyeballs exposed to your product. Uh, this is one of the hardest things when you're building a company. Like uh, people have, like the yeah, go-to-market, right. May, many people have great ideas, but no way to put in that that, that product in front of eyeballs. The, the GTM, the GTM is where a lot of people are like, I got a great idea. I got a great
0: team. I, you know, we got a great product. It's like the final scene of uh, Finding Nemo and all the fish are in the little baggies because he's cleaning the fish tank and they have a little air in the bag and then they like plop out of the window, yeah, roll across the road, and then plop, 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 all into the ocean. And they're like, we did it, we escaped. And then the one big puffer fish goes, um, okay, now what? Yeah, you right. And I think that's what that's a lot of startups like, okay, now what?
1: Well, a, a lot of startups have great ideas to your point. They build super nice products, they have insight, they have vision when it comes to building products. But then you have two things that are usually... Retesting the product. One is the product market fit. Everybody talks about it. The other one that people don't talk about it enough is a product channel fit. Yes, Cause understanding you may have like, before you get to find, if you have a product market fit, you actually need to be able to distribute to the right people, to the right channel and find a way to doing it in an efficient way. Uh, and, and this is probably today in an age where attention is so expensive, so hard to get, this is probably one of the biggest challenge, uh, any new product get finding that channel, that leads it to the audience that are going to be liking this product in strong amounts, that's so hot.
0: Wow, I'm really glad we started there because I I think of startups kind of like roughly in like three stages. It's search, build, grow, and search is not like, you know, Google or, um, you know, Bing or something, but it's, you're looking for the product market fit. You're you're in the desert and you're kind of like just uh, lost and... Okay, I got product market fit. I built a product and now it's build and then build. Okay, now we have to build a company around that product. And then there's grow, which is let's expand uh, the user base. Let's expand the number of products. And I feel like you're in that kind of, like you have product market fit, you built a company, you built many companies before, but now when you're going from, you already got a million MAU. Like last time I checked, that's a, that's a really nice neighborhood. And now you're going to go to 10.
1: Yeah. And it's really because we were lucky to find the channel first. You know, it's interesting. We, um, I started watching a TV show a couple of days ago. I forgot the name of that show, but the gist is that it's a billionaire. Uh, he starts off from scratch with hundred bucks and he spoke in a new city. He has 90 oh. days to build a million dollar business. And the number one, um, rule that he gives out, the number one tip that he gives out is that whatever you're doing, find the buyer first. You have to start by finding someone who wants to buy, and then you find a, you build the product and you you figure it out. But you have to find someone who's willing to buy something, and work from there. Which is interesting. I feel like too often people are just starting from a hunch of something that they feel would should be interesting, but really you, you know it if you find someone really ready to pay for it. So uh, we were lucky because we started on Twitch, um, and, and we started from that 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 2018 stage with Twitch, if you remember, they created something called the extension SDK, so they allowed people to put buttons on streams. Yes. Everybody was looking at that as a way to create tipping or some kind of like mini apps that would like just basically you can pay a few, uh, a few beats, uh, that's the currency on, on Twitch, and it would fart on the stream and make everybody laugh. So those apps were kind of like very limited because at the end they were always made to be used very seldom during the streams. So we're like, eh, you know what, what, you know what happens when you put a button? You can make a game and get everybody to watch to play at the same time. So, oh, we're like, because at the end, if you would really like deconstruct, what's a game? It's buttons you click.
0: And the simplest game <laughs> right. is simply, right. it's just
1: buttons you click over and over again. And we tell you a really great, great yes. story about why clicking that button is so cool and makes all those things happen. And we create this dopamine, but at the end of the day, it's clicking buttons. It's put so we, we 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 looked at that and like this is crazy. This is not, this is not for nobody cares about tipping. We are going to get everybody who's watching to click those buttons because it's going to be a super cool game that everybody who's watching is going to play at the same time. And that was kind of like the, the, the restart of our thinking about how streams really should not be TV, they're, they're not laid back. They, they are actually they're meant to be interactive because we put that first button. You mean forward, yes. We put that button. Ninety-one percent of the audience clicked it. So you know that people like clicking buttons.
0: Man, yeah, and and they're gamers typically because most yeah. a, a lot of Twitch you know viewers are are, are playing. So that's uh, that's incredible
1: engagement. Wow. And, and, and yeah. And that, that was, you know, that was learning like, like right there. So we didn't quite have the full vision at this, but we, we saw that like, this is cool. You can actually get people to play while they watch. What does it mean? And that, that's really how we started Azure is like started from that assumption, like gaming, streaming, crypto. How does it mix together? Let's make an experiment and see how that plays out because we just wanted to feel like, are we making things up? We have a channel. If we put this on that, that, that button on the, on the channel, will the channel react?
0: fantastic wow so 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 that was actually the origin story to like see that new uh, uh feature by uh by twitch that that sort of like opened up the uh uh the portal in your head to like mm, let's go let's go explore that
1: yeah, so I did that course of futurism uh, at Stanford a couple of years back. Stephanie my wife like, uh, kicked me and forced me to go there. was like,, oh, I want to do this course, but like super interesting, It just opened my chakra so much. And the whole premise of that course is that you have to look at basically artifacts of the future. Artifacts of the future. Wow. I love that. And, 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 and that's how you build your vision of the future. Like, what's happening? What are the small signals that you're seeing? Those, those things that seem kind of like non not newsworthy, but like little things that are happening. And the fact that Twitch opened an SDK just to let you put a button on a stream. That was an artifact. All these things that kind of compounded uh, in my head, I like can bring together, like really tying those, those artifacts into formulating the vision of what Azure is today. But the, uh, it's, it's, it's really how it started. For me, that was an artifact. The fact like that idea of putting a button on a stream, as simple as it sounds, if you think about it, we're talking about 4 billion people watching streams. Imagine 4 billion people clicking buttons. Yes do you see that's that scale is mind-blowing but but you know 17 years ago the first time i saw
0: youtube and they just had that play button that sideways triangle no. and i was like huh and i clicked that and it played because up to that point yeah. boys and girls listening to this from 1990 whatever until 2005 oh you have to download this you know player and you have to and you know put a uh some you know, maybe sideload it or and it was clunky and it never worked, and then that like click and it worked like so so you had enough you know sort of um gabs and calluses and scar tissue like armor that you were like, oh this is this is important I see I that
1: that's exactly right, and even before that you had to actually have a cable box. so if you think about it, the fact that you can actually play a video by clicking a button, this is a really cool game already, and you win every single time you click it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's pretty satisfying if you ask me so yeah it's, so it all start, started like that like it was really an, an experiment and we were lucky to have ubisoft uh, helping us out in running that experiment so we passed off the uh the ubisoft entrepreneur lab and uh they basically set us up with the rainbow six Siege team and we uh, were able to experiment with some of the the uh, with one of the biggest ip so that was that was super helpful because that got us Immediate uh, street credibility, you know. Like sometimes we like you play a game and say, "Hey, you all are going to be playing on the stream, and there are some rewards to be uh, to be won." If you others nobody has heard of you, probably not. You know, you may not be as credible as if you say, "Hey, you're going to earn Rainbow Six credits because we're in partnership with Ubisoft, and uh, and we met all the creators at the Rainbow Six Siege Majors in Paris uh, with all the team at Ubisoft, running us." So, Definitely helped like build that initial credibility and uh, and make sure that we are uh, we are taken seriously and that we don't look like uh, yet another startup trying to build something weird. <laughs> so it's uh, that definitely helps. But the uh, that that initial simple idea, which is put a button on a stream, people are going to be clicking it, uh, hit home immediately, and uh, that that's really what helped us really then iterate on the vision. Well, what does it mean? What does it mean that people can click that button? What do you do with it?
0: and what 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 did
1: it mean when you first launched and what does it mean now well the it's it kind of like it's always the same story it means that people notice those buttons and uh and that that means a lot just like netflix you know they launched bonds snatch and uh and everybody played it yes but the button on the stream, everybody notices and just this is this is an artifact you like all right it's not just us having that weird mind construct of maybe people want to play on streams and don't don't want to be lean lean, lean back or what but like this just it's a proof point and as you build a business you basically add up those proof points one after another. You pile them up and you make sense of them because you I, I think you really have to build while matching the expectation of the audience. And and, and that's another thing that I've seen too many times, people like really being very focused and deadbolted on their vision and what they think is true which works for Steve Jobs most of the time apparently often has worked but the reality is that but those people are not Steve Jobs <laughs> I mean not that not, not many people around here are Steve Jobs and uh and and for one good idea that he's been recognized for he missed a new he missed quite a few things and so you know like I think
0: I think he was, he was absolutely right. He was just super early that I guess, then maybe he.
1: he Which learned. is the case for many, many you know, companies, yeah. many startups.
0: And then like Pixar, he, he, he funded Pixar for 10 years and led money yeah. and he was absolutely right, but he was, a lot of people would have given up cause it was too early, but he kept going. Right. So, um, he, but he's also, he could afford to keep going yeah. and other people, other people can't, but I love, you said like deadbolt is like really strong, you know, excellent use of words. And by the way non-native English speaker and you know I'm supposed to be coming up with those really cool words, not you. Okay. So
1: can you just back off a little bit there? All right, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, I can do the do you want me to do a French accent? So, so, so I can force it a little.
0: Beautiful because I think you're absolutely right that people have this vision and their vision becomes so uh personal to them and like a baby. And then they're like, I can't if I move from this vision then I'm not being true to myself. But actually, you don't have to be true to yourself. You have to be true to the user. User. You have to be user-centric, not, not you-centric. And I think, un, you know, unlocking that deadbolt and going to where the user is, like, you smelled that early on. You were like, the users are already in streams, and the users already click buttons, so let's let's go there. Like, that's, that's where you started. Uh, and I thought, I think that's beautiful. Like, you really—and then the other thing is, if I may— you're French and you're like, uh, you know, maybe you leverage that French mafia, like the the French connections. I'm going to Ubisoft, right? The five brothers, huge players. I can, I can unlock that. And like, you don't have to be so precious or so like, everything has to be pure. And I have to start like, no, you want to, you want to leverage, let's leverage streaming. Let's leverage a big player. And now you're at 1 million MAU. And that's a, that's very unusual in, in, in this space right now.
1: That's a big number for sure the uh yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it, like you have to work on your strengths and like uh, as 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 you can tell i'm not, I'm not twenty so i have been around I have a few friends here and there <laughs> that are ready to 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 help out that up uh, like everybody's Make always interested, yeah. yeah it's not just making a bet, everybody's learning you know when we uh we started with UB, not yes. them betting on me, but like they were curious to see the result. This is interesting for everybody. And we were able to it's make experiment. a bunch of yeah. tests. Well, yeah, it's experiments. It's a cool idea. Uh, it doesn't cost a lot of time and effort to try it. So why not? Basically, it's uh, just about making sure that they, uh, the brand doesn't take any risk and uh, you're being reasonably uh, safe and, uh, and then why, why not? So sure. I, I think actually those things are not that hard to come by. It's really about nurturing this relationship and, and asking for help. I think people too often just stay in their own man cave or, or woman yes. cave or yes. it cave and don't, don't just like have those conversations. So to your point, like the, um, it's, you, you may have a great vision and a great idea, but at the idea I always see a great idea as being a data point. It's one point. Like this idea makes sense. It you kind of kind of make. You can make a mental model around it, but the reality is that what does it mean to others? And I always found it. even like when you're raising money. For me, raising money is about making cash. But the, the val the biggest value I always got, got from raising money was seeing how people would rephrase and adjust the story I just told them. Beautiful. Yeah. Because. It's, it's actually super interesting to listen. Like, sometimes they would just take tidbits that you were not really feeling is the yes. uh, cornerstone of your story, and they put them in a different context. You know? But that's an interesting way to look at it. Indeed. Uh, and, and this, re- it really re- helps build, helps you build up, especially in the early days, helps build up the, uh, the, the not just the narrative, but the global vision. Like, you, because even you, you, you're looking at it from your own perspective, which is kind of limited to your, your own past experience. Maybe you're actually missing 90% of the market. You have no idea how other people are seeing what you're building. And it took us a while actually to be able to understand what we're building at others because we're from the beginning, like we were like, we're getting everybody who's watching to play. And the very first thing we thought is that we were building a way to create engagement and retention on streams. That's what we thought. And it's true, by the way. We increase engagement and retention on streams. The dirty little secret is nobody's ready to pay for that today. But what we found is actually, it's not the retention engagement that's important. Is the fact that we're turning every screen, every video player, basically into a seat inside a digital stadium. Oh, oh, peel that back. That's a beautiful vision. It, if you think about, yeah, but if you think about it, it's the same thing, but just like through the lens of folks uh from the NBA, from the, uh, like, that's... That just like gives you a different perspective. It's the same thing. It's the same product, but it's a different vision. It's a different mission. And our mission is to figure out what does it mean to be in a digital stadium? What are the experiences that you expect? When you go to a stadium, yes. you expect the t-shirt yes. toss, you expect the kids' cam. you expect all this, you expect everybody booing when someone is coming like during the defense, <laughs> getting defense, uh, or inserting the ref when he gives a bad call that you disagree, we vastly disagree off uh, about. But like you expect those interactions. When you're watching a stream, it's basically you you missing that layer, that engagement layer, that thing that connects all the viewers together through that sh- same shared experience. So it's basically a seat on a digital seat Again, same thing, a very different way of framing it and telling the story and building for it because it came from people that had a different experience. And now we have totally integrated that vision because that's, again, this is super powerful, this allows us to reach not just people playing Ubisoft games, but phobia and people watching streams, which is a very different market.
0: Fascinating. Yeah, and that's something that you could only uncover by actually embarking on that journey. But one, one thing about that journey that I love that you talked about, you said you studied at Stanford. You know, there's a professor there named Steve Blank. He was the professor for Eric Ries from uh, The Lean Startup. And he, he talks about in his um, Four Steps to the Epiphany and unpacking how to be successful as an entrepreneur is getting out of the building. Like you have to get out of the building, you have to talk to people. And oftentimes like you talking to Ubisoft, like that's another point of validation. You talk to other investors, those investors see dozens, hundreds of other, other deals. And then they're able to go, oh, that's interesting because of this. And that validates it and clarifies it and just helps you uh, move along on your journey. So it's important to get out there. And I think oftentimes some really good builders are really not necessarily good at like getting out of the building and talking to people. Maybe they're a little introverted or maybe they prefer to just sit and code or maybe they're not, you know, maybe maybe they're not as open-minded, um, radically open-minded, you know, Ray Dalio talks about to be really, really, truly radically open to everything and only care about the user. And I think that's, that's really important. And it feels like, feels like that's what, what, what you've internalized, like what, what, what else? Like you have this distribution strategy, it sounds exciting what are you doing right now during the bear to build in terms of like product and tech side
1: well you know in in our case i don't mind the bear market uh because we're we not you know we built a product first uh now we're launching a crypto but we have those users we have an ecosystem of stakeholders that already have values through the coin so if anything, I'm grateful not having to deal with too much, uh, yes. like day traders and too much people just like looking for Speculate. make, to make a, uh, speculating, making a quick buck. Thank you. That's, that's it. So I'm pretty grateful personally. I, I, I
0: think that's actually your word, isn't it?
1: Speculate, isn't that a French word? I, I, I threw that back it, to you. And you know, it's, it's kind of funny because it's one I always struggle to like. what's that word again? Speculating? Yeah, I don't like doing that. But like, it's a. But you know, it's a, it, It's super interesting because a lot of people I find that the bear market is a deal breaker. But I think it's it's actually it shows whether you're building something that brings value to your users or you're building a, a, a smokes in mirrors. Emmer- and that. It's uh if it's bringing value, it doesn't matter that you're in a bear market. People are going to use your product. Uh, if you want, if you're making a game that's fun, people are going to play it. If you're making a platform that's uh, that that brings value to some people, they're going to be using it. It's not because it's crypto that it has intrinsic value. Yeah. Yes. That the value lives on the, uh, yeah, that the value lives only on the exchanges. That's not, that's not right. As a matter of fact, the, the way I always explain it, like when you, when you, when you build a business in crypto, you're also building a business. Yes. Right. Right. And people tend to, tend to actually forget that, right? That there's actually, there's, there's always, uh, the way I like to look at it is that there's two axes. One is like captured by the equity, the the other one by the community. The equity is actually a business. So you, Better have value. Create something that's valuable. There is a business. People are willing to pay to invest to work with you, and then you have the community angle, uh, which is like mostly captured by the token. Yeah, do people care about want to have that token? Is it meaning something inside that community? It will give you some status, some utility. But those things, they work together at the end. Like they're not correlated. They're two different axes. But having pure, like for like, if you only have the token, it's basically you. At the mercy of like people just getting bored and not interested in what you're building anymore. If you have all the equity, then you're building a business, but you're missing on the building on capturing the value of the community and creating and giving something back to your to your users, which is one of the bigger opportunity of crypto. So, 2022, you actually need to reconsider both angles. How do I include my community? How do I still build a business? And and all stakeholders are going to be more or less. Skewed towards one or the other. Uh, clearly users are not going to be, unless you're a priority traded company, they're not going to get any of your equity, but they can be still a part of uh, the, 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 community through the token and, uh, have an impact and through DAOs, through voting, through social status, through the, uh, the ownership of the coin. They can have a word and a way in your, your, in your product. Just like the equity holders and the board members and the owners, they have a way in your products through the business side
0: terrific, yeah, well said
1: yeah you have you you actually really need to consider both uh, it's not one or the other you need you need both of them. If you only have one, you're basically either missing out or building on a, on, a, on a very fragile foundation great, and I think that you smelled that early on. this is not your first rodeo,
0: you're like okay. I really see buttons on streams. That's a that's a business. And I'm gonna work with Ubisoft. I'm gonna work with this agency. Like I know how to lever things and piggyback off of that on the on the equity business side. That's great. On the community side, you know, there's I I I know you have a strong background in blockchain and I, I'd like to go into that a, a little bit later. But for now, you know, being able to leverage tokens. There's an article by Chris Dixton. And he, um, he talks about, uh, using token incentives to bootstrap new networks, because in the beginning of every network, there's always that cold start problem. What we talked about before the, uh, okay, now what, right. And tokens are a way to, uh, really accelerate and kind of, you know, get out of the gravitational force of the atmosphere and then go, you know um, into, uh, in, into free floating space, uh, so to speak, and hopefully not, not crash and burn. Like what, what are, what are some of the lessons you've learned? Cause you were pretty early on in leveraging that, um, some of the, the token, um, uh, you know, a, a, a lot of other, uh, games launch kind of brokenomics. And I think there's a lot of, um, learnings around that, but it seems like, you know, you've, you've been able to sort of, uh, uh conceptualize
1: and launch and, and, and manage well. Well, actually, you know, I've never created a community with token just from the start. Like, they, I've been involved in two companies that are meaningfully token-centric. One is Upland and the other one, Azaris. Upland actually never okay. sold the token. If you think about okay. it, Upland is a blockchain company. They use an in-game currency that has fiat on-ramp and off-ramp, and they never airdropped or used the token as a way... To, uh, to, uh, long. They did have make NFT sales because the NFTs have utility in the game and you were able to collect them and play, play the game, which I think is, is brilliant. But yeah, uh, I think a lot of products that have created a community through like, you know, all those, those bounties on Bitcoin token, basically making those airdrops and creating that FOMO. That's very hard to maintain long term. The only way that you can maintain it is to actually have a product with real utility coming in a reasonably short amount of time. And most of the time when I've seen that, it never, it, it ends up blowing off. Not a lot, all the companies that matter today, I don't think any actually did an airdrop. And maybe I'm wrong, but like, so I'm not totally, I don't totally agree with
0: well, well, if, if, if I'm to, like Phantom Galaxies has done an airdrop, and they did it for free. And I think they learned from that to be able to like yeah. push out the whales and the bots and then uh, they make money on the secondary sales. And then that's created like a very robust, active community. And I think that's maybe one more step in the evolution. We'll see where that goes. But, uh, but I, I think, yeah, I think it, it's still, it's a, you know, real time
1: evolution. Yeah. And I, I think. No, it's it's a hard one. A lot of the playbook is still being written here. So it's important to not discount any test that can be done now. I think like if for everyone who's looking at please don't take anything we we're saying here for face value because you if you have an idea that's different and you want to try it, you should. Uh the only thing that's always important to me is making sure that if you build something it brings it's clear what the value is for the owner and what you expect from them. Like if I'm going to give you a token, I, you should know why you're getting that token, what it does and why you should have it and why you're getting it. It's all about transparency. And I feel like there's a lot of, actually transparency is one of the big problems that we've had in blockchain Many many cases. It's transparent because it's on the ledger, but really you don't really know what's going on in those projects. Hence all the red pools, uh, all those things, all those smoke and mirrors happening. Uh, it's uh, It's actually a really, really tough problem that the industry is facing as a whole, which is like, who really makes the decision, like that airdrop, why that amount, why it's, it's, it's kind of a a little bit, it's, it's fascinating and scary at the same time, because to your point, you have the ability to reach anyone, I can drop coins to anyone's wallets right now you can go into scan take a list of address uh address that are active ones that are active you can add drop that and does make it a community do they understand what you're doing are they here for valid reason what is that worse and that's like this is where i'm questioning this type of of, of method but when you're doing it the other way around is you're getting people like involved from the beginning uh you're getting them to, like, in our case, we're rewarding attention, like on chain, when, when you're watching, um, yeah, the, the channels on Twitch and you're engaging with the game and you decide, Hey, I'm going to spend two minutes playing that game. I opt in to share my data, not your email address, anything personal, like basically sharing those two minutes of behavior with a brand paying sponsoring this game. I'm going to get a fair share of tokens in exchange. And this is a clear. Value. You're doing something intentionally, you understand what you're doing, and you're getting value in return in the form of tokens. And that, that, so, that, so that makes sense. Some... Tell us, yeah. yeah.
0: No, I mean, that's, that, that's great. So, like, let's, let's peel back how you've done that, how you've brought things on chain, how you've done the as a, as a coin or as a credit. Like, what, what are the mechanics behind that? And what have you, what have you learned from, from that? And what, where, where do you think that's Why going to evolve?
1: Yeah, so funny story. We actually built when we started in 2018. We were building on EOSIO. I'm not sure if you remember EOSIO. It's a uh, it was yes. a, a, like a second generation blockchain, super fast, super promising. Still a big fan of the tech, uh, although the ecosystem did not evolve as fast as I uh, as I had hoped back in the days. Uh, so it's uh, still very raw. But the, uh, so we've been on blockchain from day one because they, there were a few things that we found fascinating about the technologies. Like first, it, it allows people to create trust out of thin air, which is really the core value. If you think about it, because we had cryptography before we had, uh, public and private keys, we even had distributed yeah. networks. I mean, like, uh, if you look at BitTorrent and, uh, like everything was there, like the thing that's new is how you get people on the distributed network, using cryptography to agree that some transaction yeah. is legit and immutable.
0: Right, start of thin air. Yeah. That's beautiful.
1: Yeah. So this is really the core value here, and uh, we felt when we started the is that if we're going to be distributing uh, points and rewards and and want to make it in a fair way, we need to be able to prove out uh, that 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 story we're saying, like, hey, we are going to give you coins and you're going to be able to use them and you have them in your in your pocket. How do we prove that out? Oh, we put, them, put them on chain. Sounds obvious now, but like four years ago, uh, a little less obvious. So uh, sure. that's that's really what, how it started. Like being able to always prove, demonstrate uh, that why you got those coins, where they're coming from, and how much you got right now in your pocket. Answering the simple questions. Basically, distributed ledger, verifiable. And they won. So now it's a little bit more abstracted in the current version of the product. But like when we started, you actually had access to the full logs. You can like you had a block explorer right inside the product. You could actually explore all those transactions and get the details. Uh, and and that was that. Really helped us create a lot of trust. And what was phenomenal is to see people actually on our Discord helping each other about going through the through the logs and pointing out and explaining to people why they got that many coins or that much or that little. Wow, interesting. I mean, other users in the community. Yeah, wow. just exactly wow. helping each other because you empower them. You give them the tools. You 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 have you provide transparency and and so some yeah. some some users. I, I haven't just... heard that.
0: It's almost like a ticket is like being handled by another community member. You get people yeah. who are really keen, and they're like, "Hey, look, you can see right on chain here that this is why this happened. So it's all it's all legit. It's all transparent. It's all clear." Um, which I think, you know, we've kind of maybe lost sight, you know, in this kind of market, there's been a lot of, um, you know, tumultuous market activity, uh, in the DeFi space, but a lot of that stuff is not, it's just not transparent. It's not on chain. And I think people are complaining that it's actually centralized and opaque. And, uh, but the, the things that you've been building all the way from the beginning have been, uh, you know, distributed and, you know,
1: trustless and, um, and to your point, actually, the, the real problem here is readability, because a lot of those things are actually on chain, but like good luck understanding. Like ah, when you yeah. try to understand, if, if you look at a project and you try to figure what are the uh, notable wallets of this project, it's not transparent. In our case, in you go in our, in our light paper, you can see the list of the notable wallets. You can see the, uh, the list of the board decisions, uh, on anything that will impact vesting schedules. Like do, do the elements of transparency, there are, at the end of the day, you have millions of people owning your coins and being part of your community. You have the same, I think we should, they should have the same expectation of transparency that investors yeah. have of public companies. There is like, Indeed. there's no, you need to know who, who's going to shots, who has the keys to the wallets, uh, what are the rules, what are the safe place, what are the processes, those things need to be, to be transparent. Because if you're not, not, it's kind of sketchy, and every time that they're not, we get what we just got. Like it's it's uh, weird games that are being played in the the back room and uh, yeah. that are wreaking havoc in the market. You know, I remember like back in 2014, I had coins in Mongox. Uh, I lost all of them. Ooh, so this is just like no. just looking at the the market like, hey, it's just repeating itself. All the different all new again, yeah. Well, actually, with more like right now, the 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 game seems to be a little bit more elaborate than used to be. Because back then it was basically mismanagement and maybe some hacks. Here it's plain uh, abuse of uh, like creating value out of thin air, which is not what you should be doing. You can create trust, not value out of thin air.
0: Ah, terrific, terrific uh, point, terrific point. Yes, because that's the thing is that people are trusting that value out of thin air but that's actually not really trustworthy. Indeed. Indeed. So you're creating trust by putting everything transparently and easily decodable on chain. That's that's great, Kath. Yeah.
1: And, and I'm looking really like, and I think the things that uh, the Stephanie you've met, she, she's my wife, is working on, is like how do you build transparency? How do you build processes? How do you how do you not end up in this situation? Uh, like if you're not able to uh, easily see the security supply of the token, to see what's, why is that investing, where those coins are going, if you cannot make sense of this transaction. How are you going to be trusting anything that uh, this project is telling you? That's great. And you know
0: what? That's actually a, you know one thing that I've found as an entrepreneur, angel, mentor over the past almost 30 years is that the companies that are the best at consistently sharing investor updates, you know, probably monthly, sometimes even weekly, the ones that are in the light the most, those are the ones that kind of have the best chance for success because you only improve what you measure. And when you're completely exposed and transparent, then, you know, there's no, there's no things that, you know, start to grow in the shadows. And I think it's the theme, like if you're a, you know, Web3 builder out there, like like defer to like the default setting should be more transparency and that's just going to you know uh you know be it's be a little bit more difficult but it's you should be in the light and i think maybe what's happening in the DeFi space it's pushing the web3 space more into the sunlight hopefully rather than into the shadows
1: yeah and, and to be fair a lot of projects were transparent and were very credible of just course, like sure, sure, sure. Yeah. so it's I'm, I'm not saying that this is not the norm like a lot of the most successful projects are probably, probably today the most transparent, but they still, especially when I look at centralized projects, uh, it's, it's a little worrying and we wouldn't be in the situation we are today if there was some level of, I don't want to say regulation. Cause you know, when we talk about transparency and regulation, I'm like, I think the, the, the DeFi space should be able to regulate itself by providing the amount of the, the, the the, the proper elements that are needed to understand what's going on in a chain. Like a little bit of readability, a little bit of, uh, of transparency would go a long way to make sure that people are able to understand what is actually going on. When it comes to a centralized project, uh, it's just like, you can't trust one guy with a ton of, beer, a few billion under the, in his pocket to, to, to be sensible. It's not working. It's just not working. That's why you need regulation and you need to be, uh, sure,
0: certainly, right? Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Yes. But I think it's more about like the self-reporting and like kind of, you know, the com- you know, default settings and w- when you're thinking about building in the future. And I think, yeah, um, and I- I'd love to have your wife on the, on the pod uh, in the future. Talk about the good work that, uh, that she's doing. You guys are both uh, from France. You live in Silicon Valley. Um, you spent time with me here in Bali. I was very, uh, you awesome. know, uh, honored to-, to host you guys uh, after seeing you at Singapore Blockchain Week. It was so great. Um, your, your last name, um, is a, um, you have Romanian heritage, but grew up in, in France. So I know that you're a 462 year old vampire, a, a benevolent, a benevolent one, a very friendly one. And, yeah. uh, uh, you have, you, you have too much, uh, wisdom and uh sense of humor to just be a, a normal, um, uh, mere mortal. Um, but, uh, let's, let's t- take us back a little bit to your, your journey, your path to Silicon Valley and some of your, your entrepreneurial trials and tribulations and triumphs along the way
1: yeah so so i got three notable eggs i've been an entrepreneur for 20 years i'm an engineer first so it kind of shows uh, I, I like to deconstruct things and understand how they work before being well. able to build them yeah. it's like it's uh i'm having a hard time not dealing with things i don't actually understand deeply as engineering me and um and so yeah so i've Right after school, I started my first business, uh, got my first exit, exit a couple of years later. We got acquired by that huge company. Oh, oh you, 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 you got to tell me what that what that was. Oh, uh, So it was pretty funny with creating basically interactive mobile apps. So interactive is kind of a pattern here, but before the iPhone. So if you remember like, and this is us, I, mean, I used to me gray Get hair in the beard. You remember the blackberries, the symbians all those cool things that were that had different screen sizes, CPUs, yes. OS. Everything was a nightmare to manage. The experiences yeah. were, were were terrible. So we we basically were building apps uh, that were actually interactive and would scale to the different screen sizes, adjusting themselves. Like think just like an SVG, basically changing the uh, the aspect ratio on the fly. And that allowed us to basically create experiences that were consistent across devices, even within the same. So we had, we had, it's funny. We had Alcatel as one of a customer and because they were creating their own devices uh, with different screen sizes and, uh, and they were building their like a lot of heterogeneity natively and they had trouble dealing with the heterogeneity they were created and that way they were creating. So we were like coming with a, with our, our, our know-how and helping them basically I'm like a white a white horse to help them to like well, yeah, they, they bring have, it into the you know the masses yeah, yeah. The, the the basic apps like music uh, the, the basic music app the mp3 players all those kind of things they, they they could not make something that was pleasant and enjoyable to use interactive because of the diversity of their, 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 their of the the their devices they had like such a wide range of screen device type cpus everything so we're really good at that, uh, got acquired a couple of years later. That was a super cool exit. Uh, and then second company, uh, we got acquired by F-Secure. That was super nice too. We were doing basically a cloud storage uh, white label um, and we got acquired by uh, by, uh, by F-Secure. Uh, and that was Excellent. fascinating. I, I was focusing most on, mostly on the uh, mobile backup. Uh, so, and if you remember those times, but it was getting That's iPhones and point. photo phones. Yeah. Yeah. And those pictures, you don't want to lose them. Uh, so we built a whole, um, a whole offering around that, uh, synchronizing your, 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 your contacts, your pictures. And that rolled out, uh, everywhere. We had customers like in the U S, like AT&T, America, Mobiles in South America, all the way just because everybody had that problem. Uh, you do not want to lose that data and consumer were, were, were ready to pay for that backup. They don't want to lose that data. Uh, so FCQ acquired us. That was a super cool exit. And uh, I got to spend some uh, really, really fun times in Finland. At some te- had a team in Aulu, which is a surprisingly fun place. Uh, I, I enjoy Finland a lot. Yeah. And I think the, yeah. the startup
0: scene and the tech scene and the culture, I, I really, yeah. And I think, um, I think you and I have kind of a similar energy of like more like a little higher energy and optimism. And I think it fits well with the Finns who tend to be a little bit... Lower key, and then like you can kind of bring out this really interesting. I love spending time in Finland.
1: once in a while, they, when they when they start having fun, they, they yeah, are hard I to stop. Like, up. <laughs> <laughs> better watch out. Yeah, uh, I, I remember like priceless nights. So Aulu is uh, like a couple hours north of uh, of of, of uh, Helsinki, yeah, of Helsinki. Thank you, and uh, and so it's very close to Rovaniemi, which is the place where the with uh, Santa Claus lives, actually. Yeah. Frozen. Bit. So, yeah, this yeah, thing I remember like it was white and, and, and perfect. And you could see the Finn just biking through the streets in their bags that had like s- like snow tires on. And, and they were like just blazing <laughs> through the street. And, and so I remember my first night there, like literally first night. So I ended up like working, having a team there in, in, in Aru. So, f- f- first night there. I'm like at my hotel. It's cold, but I'm, like, I want to kind of check out the night, the, 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 the city. And it was a pub. The light was on. It was loud. I come in. It was the uh, the rehearsal of the uh, air guitar championship that was happening the next day. The uh, most fun oh, and buddy, the most random I, I had oh, wow. ever it was it was one of the best. Like I have memories of that night to this day. That's like uh, what 15 years later. It's it's I still I still remember this night. It was that night was crazy, and like I have plenty of others.
0: Oh, like I've, I've, I've seen, I've seen this one finished band. It's called Apocalyptica. It's a heavy metal cello band. So they're like, they're all about the, the, like just thrashing with like, you know, the, the heavy metal stuff. That's great. Wow. Fun, fun anecdote. All right. So, so, so far I see two pattern recognitions, which is let's move into an industry before it started. Like feature phone to smartphone and, uh, you know, pre-cloud and then, you know, let's, let's build. Let's let's start with a big pin point inside of there, and like hey, it's really difficult to make these interactive. It's really difficult to upload stuff to the cloud. It's like it's like very very, and it's like kind of similar to what you're doing now in a way. It's like let's look at like streaming and blockchain, and like let's do something that's you know really it seems simple, but it's it's not it's not easy to do. So okay, let's let's continue on your
1: exciting hero's journey. What's, what's start startup number three? The certain number three was interesting. Where we did um, we were doing automated video editing for video games so hooking into the game engine and and basically understanding through the data what when something cool is happening on the screen capturing it creating video replays and we got acquired by that um european startup that does basically geofors now uh white label for telcos became our tech became the social layer that helps people see what other people are playing and how they're doing in those Uh. all these different games so super super. fun. But back to what we we're seeing back back on the, the pattern recognition, finding a pain point. I think, funny enough, it's kind of the same thing for the consumer. But you have to be more open minded because while you, it's kind of a, you find a pain and someone ready to buy to pay for it in the B two B space. It's kind of a lot easier because you have a much smaller yes. sample size and like like the diversity of buyers yeah. is kind of like very. You, you
0: could see the pain. The the pain yeah. is the pain is like measurable kind of, right? But you're kind of yeah. guessing more with B2C. Well
1: to, on B2C, you, yeah. if you have a hundred people telling you they have that pain, you don't know that it's a reasonable sample size. Oh, it's probably not actually. Yeah. Or or will or will they
0: or will they pay for it? Yeah. Or do you have the right solution? And they, they don't know, so it's just a lot more
1: difficult to, to land yeah. that dart in the board. Yeah. If you have a hundred businesses telling you I'm ready to pay for that, you probably have yeah. a business here. If you have a hundred consumers telling you, uh, this is cool. I'm ready to pay for that. A, you can, can definitely uh, like be sure that they may not end up putting a credit card number if you give them a credit, like a field, uh, a form to fill up. And B, it's not because you find hundreds who are ready to pay because you look specifically for those guys that there's a billion of them. Very so, hard yeah. to scale Gosh. and to, uh, and to, to put into perspective. Mm-hmm. So,
0: uh, let's go back. So. You're three for three now, like that's not so. Like, once you're lucky, twice
1: you're good. Know, three, whoa, whoa. those are the three that worked out. There's a oh, bunch that failed. We didn't, we didn't have from the best.
0: I, I was about to hang up with you and just end this podcast because it's like no, now you're no. ruining it for everybody else. Yeah, okay, no. good, good, good.
1: Like, yes. I, this, my, my very, very first company actually failed after doing some really cool stuff. We're doing, um, basically, we're turning any device into connected devices, that was early 2000. So if you remember, Wi-Fi was all new, uh, and making a Wi-Fi robot was actually super hard because there was no Wi-Fi on chip, no, no like system on chip solutions. So my first company was doing that. We did that for a while. We, we had some really, really cool products come out. Uh, we worked with director sets, uh, Mechano for the rest of the world, and we had them build their first Wi-Fi connected robot sold 100,000 of units on Amazon. That was great, ended up like dying at all. So that was a bit sad. But it's too early for, hard up, for, yeah. for hardware startups. Yeah, it's, it was hard like to scale. scale. So, you yeah. know, like you find people who are ready to buy, but like there's like no, there were not enough of those guys for sure. And um, and at the end, yeah, the products were expensive because the technology was really new and not mature. And like, not everybody's ready to pay 300 euros at like 20 from 25 years ago, uh, euros. That's
0: yeah. As a early adopter geeks. Yeah. yeah. And then you, you run out of those yes. quickly. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Hey, so, so, so uh, before, you know, instead of going into uh, those failures, how about just some lessons learned along the way? Like, what would you, what would you like to have told your younger self who probably wouldn't have listened anyway? Or what, what kind of lessons do you have kind of writ large, like entrepreneurship in general, but also maybe kind of like some on-chain uh, lesson or two that you've learned specifically?
1: Oh, that's a tough one because yeah, uh, you know the, the reality is that you have to go through the lessons to learn them, just like you have to learn. You, you yeah. have to lose those coins <laughs> to understand that to not keep your coins in a centralized exchange, because you know about it, and then you lose yeah. them. And the fact that you know about it doesn't make it better, but like once you lose them, I guarantee you that you keep your coins in your pocket. So that, that's a lesson for the, for the for the crypto crypto guy: keep your coins in your pocket. I mean, I, do, I do think you know learning
0: you know learning from you know. Uh, you know, your mistakes is is a great way to learn. But learning from other people's mistakes is actually an even better way to learn. As long as you can do it, I I, th- I think it is possible. I, I, th- I think it is possible to go. Okay, you know what? There be dragons. Don't do that. Like, oftentimes, some of your mistakes are like I couldn't even you know repeat that mistake. It's not actually you know testable in the lab. That was just a specific scenario. But I'm I'm you know I'm
1: sure there there are a few. Yeah. So typically, one one of the lessons I uh, think yeah, one of the things I would tell my younger self is like. Find an industry you like and stick to it, because like for a couple of times, like I, I spend time first like mobile de- like connected devices, then mobile apps, then uh, then uh, cloud storage. So I I did a lot of really really cool stuff, but the reality is that like a lot of what I'm doing today lies in the f- lies in the fact that uh, in the late 2000s, like 2000, I was working on a uh, VR headset product. Uh, just a year, maybe a year before Chris started the, uh, the, the Kickstarter campaign. And that got me to connect with a lot of the create, like the, the big names of today's, uh, today's world, building game engines and folks that are billionaires today. But like, you know, like you need to think about compounding, even if you're an entrepreneur and uh, you, you're basically compounding your network and your connections. And if you switch too much between one yes. or the other, yes. like from one, from one idea to another, it's important to kind of stick in a, with an industry, You'll build it. that, that network, yeah. because it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. If your product is, it's better if it's a success. Like you should not avoid to fail them. Failing all the time doesn't help. Like it's not, it's not good for the morale. You should get a few wins and you should be persistent. But really what's important is to, uh, is to build to take to to the opportunities to also build a network, build relationships, and uh, and build them up. Uh, and so, I think it took me too long too long to to, to understand really that uh, those that it's important to stick into an industry and uh, or at least into a into a sector and build those connections because that's what gets you to accelerate and go faster later. Great
0: advice, excellent. Yeah, and I think. Um you know it's a vocation entrepreneurship like you're supposed to fail like most likely outcome is failure it's just the way it is that's just statistically true but if you stick with it then over time you give yourself a better chance of succeeding and you know one of the best ways to do it is to be able to ask for help like you said so when you're asking for help in you know Ubisoft or this uh you know agency like those those kind of relationships cuz then you're like oh i know those i know her i i i met him Twenty years ago, and then you you have this uh history with them, and then you can start to build this trust and
1: then get that help, and then really have a huge lever that's right and it's really like again back to my earlier point it's about like sharing learnings. everybody wants to learn new stuff like even if you if you fail, failing is a learning at others we failed a couple of games that we tried around 2019 and twenty twenty game design was just too complicated, and we learned things about about how. Viewers react on stream, what works, what doesn't. A failure, not only is part of the, uh, of, uh, of the process, but it's, it's super valuable. It's probably more valuable than successes, if you ask me. You learn more through a, va- yeah, Cause like wh- what was really interesting with us at Azure is that we got an overnight success first time. And then we needed, a, we, we, we had to go through a bunch of failures to understand why was it a success to begin with? <laughs> yes. Like what I made just... it so good? And what we thought made it good was not actually it. Like there's a bunch of things that we did not understand yes. and that we did not realize that we just nailed it by like that was kind of like a little bit lucky. And then we broke the, those things because we changed them and we did not realize how much they mattered actually. Hmm. But
0: I, I think you're right. You learn a lot from your failures, but oftentimes people don't deconstruct their successes well enough. Like, well, yep, it worked. I'm a genius, or that was great. Let's keep doing more of that. But more of what yeah. like what it's so multivariate like what what was it exactly that got you there and oftentimes it's not what your original thesis was and uh yeah it's really important to to look at that i i, yeah. I love it thank you
1: like for instance like on, a, on one on wonderful game we try to create like a meta game like basically you look at casual games you usually have the core game loop a very simple clicker mechanic and then you add some Leveling up some, uh, some like meta story that gets you like a longer term. Basically, you have the short core game loop and then you have longer cycle that build up on top that create like, f- Big f- yeah, further f- yeah. objective, the midterm objective, long term objective that just build up on top of another news flash will not work on stream. Two minutes attention span oh. max got to keep it short and simple. Yeah. Just one, one core loop and that's it. In and out. Yes, yes, exactly. But like, so seems obvious now, but like we built it and we tried it and we're like looking at the engagement numbers like, wow, this is terrible. What the, what the hell? And then, and then like talking to, to, to users, we understand what's going on. And most hardcore users, when you put them on the stream, behave differently. It's really like, so basically it's really about shaping your mental model. Uh, and you may be, uh, it's not, it's like, and you have to run through this test and the failures, they really sh- help a lot shaping that model because then you, they re-question yourself to the bones. It's too easy to be just super happy that something works and like not ask yourself any question. But when you have to something that fails, you're like, what did I get wrong? And you really have to get to the bottom of it.
0: Beautiful, beautiful, love it. Excellent, I could talk to you for another hour. My friend, thank you for giving the time. Uh, Alex from Azaris, you're awesome. I really look forward to uh, watching uh, future uh, growth of your platform. And uh, all the best, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Rich. Much
1: appreciated. This podcast is for information purposes only and should not be considered as financial advice. Any opinions provided in this podcast
0: reflect the views of the speakers only. We'll be